Over the last few weeks, as a community, we have been thinking about some of the hot button issues that are sources of great pain in our world. None of them have been easy and none of them will be easily resolved. But what we have been seeing is that the good news of Jesus speaks to all these places of pain, be they racism, poverty, climate change, or as we saw last week, on truth and reconciliation for Canadian First Nations. We have also seen that we as Christians have a role to play in working for the healing and restoration of those wounded by the great wrongs that underlie some of these issues. It has been wonderful to hear of local Christians, some from our own community, who are already at work trying to bring change. So this morning we're addressing another big issue. Migration and fear, the global plight of refugees. This issue is big, serious, and deadly. I spent some time looking at the UN High Commission for Refugees website to see what they have to say about refugees in our world. And frankly, it's all pretty bleak. They currently estimate that 91.9 million people are refugees in our current world. Many of them, 48.6 million, are internally displaced. That is to say, forced from their homes by war or disaster, but still able to live technically in their own country. But that still leaves more than 20 million who have been driven out of their own countries by war, oppression, hunger, or simply despair. And these are desperately seeking somewhere to call home. When they leave their own country, they are uniquely vulnerable to exploitation, and it is some of these people who are also being trafficked, smuggled, and subjugated in many horrible ways. I don't know about you, but numbers like these leave me numb. Who of us can relate to numbers as big as those? What we really need is names and faces. Names like Nael, Jinan, Shams, and Abudi, Seta, Fikin, Melina, Sylvie, Hera, Katie, Anna, Pratch, Jean, Haratch, the other Haratch, Lion, and Herbes. All people just like us, who through no fault of their own, found themselves living in the wrong place at the wrong time and had to flee for their lives. Those of you who have been around Granville Chapel for a while know these names because these are all refugees that we as a community have been able to sponsor 
into new beginnings of life in Canada. Today, our first reading was from the book of Deuteronomy. And in this book of the Old Testament, Moses, near the end of his life, is reminding the people of Israel of their history and their identity. They were chosen to be God's people, not because they were special, but because they were small and helpless. Moses reminds them that they are called to worship the Lord their God because he is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. He is a God who defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him or her food and clothing. In verse 19, we get a direct command and a rationale for caring for the alien. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. How were the ancient people of Israel to act around aliens? They were to love them. Why? Because they knew what it was like to be aliens themselves, having suffered oppression and tyranny in the time they stayed in Egypt. It seems to me to be pretty clear that anyone claiming to be serving the God of the Bible had better start loving aliens because God commands it and because the bottom line is that it could, if circumstances have been different, have been me. Love for the alien, and who is more alien than a refugee, is not something that comes naturally to most of us. What we need is a change of heart to move from fear and distrust to love and respect. The second passage we looked at this morning was the encounter Jesus had with the expert in the law who wanted to inherit eternal life. Jesus asked the man what he read in the law. The expert was able to summarize the whole law succinctly by saying, well, it's about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Interestingly enough, Jesus agrees with this incredible simplification. Do it, he says, and you will live. Apparently disappointed not to get a full-on debate with Jesus, the law expert then asks a very important question. Who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus told the story about the Good Samaritan. Now this parable is very well known, and much of the shock value has been lost because we often fail to see that the Samaritan came from a people group despised by good Jews as half-caste and pagan. That it is a despised Samaritan who selflessly takes care of the desperate victim 
wounded at the side of the road, would have shocked all the Jews who heard the story. The thought that neighboring might force them to love those that they consider their enemies may have been extremely threatening. And the contrast between the behavior of their pagan neighbor and the self-preserving religious leaders would also have been quite disconcerting. But Jesus was making a point. People in need desperately need someone to step up and neighbor them in a way that demonstrates mercy and compassion. Back in 2015, we were all stunned by the desperate photo of little Alan Kurdi, three years old, a Syrian boy who drowned in the Mediterranean as his family tried to make the crossing to Europe. That week, I received an email from Rob, one of our members at the time. My heart is breaking, he wrote. We must do something. Now, Granville Chapel had previous experience of welcoming refugees and had sponsored a Vietnamese family back in the, I think it was the 70s, and also an Iraqi family back around 2010. Rob's email woke us up to the need to do something more. We talked, we prayed, and we gave. The money poured in, as did a team willing to take it on. We ended up agreeing to sponsor 10 people, nine from one family of Syrian Armenians. It took time and effort, much of the effort being done by Suzanne Barclay, who filled out form after form after form after form. It was a vital role in making it all happen. Well, good morning, Francesca. Lovely to see you. You were part of the team that came together to welcome the family from well, the Armenian, Syrian Armenian family that we welcomed a few years back. Mm -hmm. That whole thing was an episode, it was a journey, it was an adventure. And what part did you have to play in that uh, team? Mm. I didn't really have a title, but I do remember going to one of the meetings and saying, I'm here, but I don't really know what I have to offer because I'm not very good at finances, accounting, paperwork, form filling. But I just said, I'm here and these are what I can offer. So can you use that? Um, yeah. And so the choice was made of the, of the family, the... Uh, the um, There's a story the about that. Is there a story? You want to tell that story? I would love to tell that story. Okay, tell me that story. <laughs> so as we were gathered in one of the meetings, this is a beautiful story of God's grace and God's um, talking to us. We had the bios of everybody, and it was very hard for us. We had no idea who to choose because there were lots of families that needed um, to, to, to be freed from where they were. And so I said, well, let's pray. Let's ask God to guide us into who we should choose. Um, and we all came up with the same people. But unbeknownst to us, they were the same family. 
but we didn't know in the beginning. So there was part of the family and then part of the second family, which were one family. Wow, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was really God got at work in Absolutely. That, uh, that, that mix yeah. right from the beginning. Yes. And then once we knew they were coming, we had to find a house and you were part of that piece, I think. Yes. And now I'm, that was easy peasy? No. No, no, because as everybody knows that Vancouver is a very expensive place to um, live in and we had a budget. And so and because we had so many of the people coming, um, it was not easy to try and get them close together or potentially in the same property. Um, so that took a long time to try and find somewhere and somewhere that was appropriate for them and also at the, at the right price in, mm. within our budget. And so I did find somewhere. And it worked out that it was an apartment, but we ended up, I was able to negotiate with the lady that owned the property um, if we could have the whole property, because there were two, it was a top floor and, a, and, a, and a, uh, a ground level floor. So we were able to get the whole house for them. And then the whole family could actually live together, which they had been doing when they were in Syria. Very cool. Now, there was a story about Ikea somewhere in the mix at this time, wasn't there? There was. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we had to then find furniture for this house. And there were about six bedrooms, I think, in it. And that was a lot to fill. Um, and we were able to get bits and pieces from community. But some of the bits and pieces were from people's old garages that really I didn't particularly want to give to them. I wanted to make sure we would give the best to them. So I thought about calling Ikea just to see if they were able to donate anything because there were so many people coming in from different countries, lots of refugee situations. And so I called Ikea. The first person I got through to said no. Um, God kept me keep going. He said, keep going. So I tried somebody else and they also said no. And so I kind of went above that person and their heart melted when I told them the story. Um, and not only did they... Um, give us a few things, they basically filled the house for us. We had new beds, new mattresses, linens, kitchen staff, furniture, you name it. We, we, we got pretty much everything from Ikea. So it was God's blessing all around. And then that meant we had to have a team to put all those uh, Ikea furniture together, right? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, because that is not my gifting either. So. <laughs> yes, we had a fantastic team that came in and then they were able to put it all together and we got the house ready for them. It was really lovely. Wonderful, wonderful story, mm. great memories. Mm. Uh, as you look back on it, uh, why do you think you got involved? Really, it was listening to the sermon I think from you and coming away very heavy-hearted very convicted and sad and compassionate for these people and um, I, I remember praying what am I supposed to do I don't know how to do this what do I do and as I say I went to the meeting and offered what I could do and it went from there mm -hmm. and God really guided me with the gifts that he's given me to put those into motion now as you responded to that nudge from God mm -hmm. uh, we have a suspicion around here that when God gives us a nudge mm. and we have to give something of ourselves, mm. we never actually lose. So mm. did, you, did you lose by this? No. What, no, no, what did no. you gain? Um, such an immense um, blessing through being able to bless the family and also then the way they actually bless me back with so much love. Um, and just being able to know that if that was my family, I would want somebody 
in a war-torn country, if we were there, to just pluck us out and bring us to freedom and love with a wonderful community that, that we have here. And so it was wonderful friendships as well that have built up, and I'm still in touch with them. And just they have just done so phenomenally well. We supported them for the year, and they are freestanding. They've got their own places, own cars, and there's another baby that's come along as well now. So they've just done so brilliantly well, and I absolutely love them. And I know they love me too, so it's blessings all around. Uh -huh. You really can't lose, yeah. Fred, thank you so much. That's a great uh, reminder mm. of that story mm. and, uh, and of the good things that come out of uh, caring uh, mm -hmm. for refugees as uh, mm -hmm. we have been doing. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to hear from Francesca, her memories of that time. I too have memories. I particularly remember the evening when the first group of the family arrived. Several of us drove down to the airport to meet them, and then we drove them out to the house that was already for them. It had been cleaned and prepared. We told them that this was going to be the house for their first year, and that they did not have to pay for it. We showed them the food we had ready for them in the fridge and the pantry. And then we showed them all that wonderful furniture from Ikea. And we told them that that was theirs to keep anyway. With tears in her eyes, Seta, the grandmother, told me in Armenian, we were working with Google Translate at the time, you have saved our lives. I will never forget that. As Canadians, we have a privilege that few others in the world enjoy. We can sponsor refugees to come here privately with the blessing of the government. We at Granville Chapel are committed to bringing in the Juma Gul family of seven from Afghanistan. They have an incredible story of death threats and flight that has taken them to three different countries. They are currently UNHCR registered refugees in Delhi, India, and they are waiting for the paperwork to be done to be able to come. We've done it from our end. Thanks again, Suzanne. All the needed funds to look after them have been raised. We are also waiting for Hiwat and her son Minas from Eritrea, who are currently in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Hiwat's husband is a pastor who is in jail for his faith in Christ. Where does all this leave us? Well, I hope it leaves us with some sense of hope. As we have been learning to listen to God over this last year, what might he be saying to you? Think back over these last five weeks. Have any of these issues touched your heart deeply? Which one? And why do you think that is? What might God be asking you to do about it? How might he be inviting you 
to get involved in becoming part of the solution. Some of you might be called to join in with some of the organizations that we have featured during this series, such as Arosha, Inner Hope, and Himalayan Life. Others of you might like to be part of the welcoming team that we will need to build to welcome the next families that we are planning to sponsor. And some others of you might be open to an amazing opportunity that I've just heard about that could see us sponsor some more refugees. This is an opportunity to welcome some people who have been in detention in camps off the coast of Australia for up to 10 years. The money has been raised to bring them to Canada fully sponsored. The paperwork burden is low. And all that is needed are some people, it could be a community group or a couple of families or a group of like-minded people who want to roll their sleeves up and extend love and grace to newcomers. And we could be expanding our footprint in this area without much cost. If that possibility intrigues you, email me and we can talk. <laughs>